This is our fourth session on 1 Thessalonians 5, 12-22. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. So when leaders lead as they ought, and when church members respect their leaders and esteem their leaders as they ought, as they're doing their work the way they should, and they are exercising oversight in the way they should, there is peace. I think I mentioned last time that not everyone agrees that verse 14 switches from addressing the brothers who are subordinate to those who are over you and esteeming those who are over you, and now addresses those who are in fact over you, which is what I'm inclined to think. I don't think um, a lot hangs on this, except that if I'm right, then verse 14 is addressing the leaders even though they're called brothers, because leaders and members in the church are all brothers, because it would be addressing them directly as to how to deal with various problems in the church. So let's keep reading. And we urge you, and I'm arguing that this you here is not this you here, because these are the ones who are submitting to these people submitting to these people, and then I think he addresses these people here, and you, brothers, admonish the idol, because he just said that what characterizes those who are over you in the Lord is that they admonish you. And then he turns right around and he says, now, brothers, do this. That's what I'm suggesting anyway. Do this, admonish, do the work that I just said. You are in a position of authority and esteem and respect to do. Namely, you admonish the idle, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak, and are patient with them all. And then I think he switches back to address everyone. And I admit it's odd that he doesn't give a clearer signal that he's addressing leaders here. And if I'm wrong, then just take it that we're all in some measure supposed to admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak and be patient with them all. So um, you make your choice. I'm suggesting that the combination of admonish here and the fact that he says, then be patient with all namely all these groups that I just highlighted, suggest that he's addressing leaders here. So, Father, as we ponder what the leaders are to do, or, if I'm wrong, what all of us are to do, namely admonish and encourage and help and be patient, would you show us practically what each of these involves, and would you perform those wonderful miracles of love in our lives. I pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. So let's just focus on this one this time, and then we'll turn to these two next time. Admonish the idle. Now, we've seen the problem of idleness before. Here it is again. Let's remind ourselves of the problem. The problem seems to be in 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians that some of the church members had been, it seems, stopping their ordinary gainful employment and starting to hang around other people and mooch off of their earnings. For example, here's what it looks like when you get to Second Thessalonians. It's pretty, pretty serious. So here in Second Thessalonians, we have the problem of idleness focused on seriously. Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus, that you keep away from any brother who's walking in idleness. So it sounds like he has upped the ante here with keep away, whereas in 1 Thessalonians he said just admonish them, and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread, that's going to be important down here, without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night, we, were, we weren't idle night and day, that we might be not be a burden to any of you. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. He's commanding them now, he's commanded them then. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. So already, when they were present with the Thessalonians, they could evidently tell the direction some of the people were tending in response to what they said. Namely, oh, well, if, if the Lord's coming soon, then let's all quit and just wait for him. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at any work, but busy bodies. Now, such persons we command and encourage, command, there it is again, and encourage in the Lord Jesus um, by working quietly that, he, that uh, they might eat their own bread, just like Paul did. I didn't eat anyone's bread. I want you to earn your own living. So, this command back here, admonish the idle, is a serious, strong, firm, you need to address this, you leaders. Or if I'm wrong about this being leaders, then you all need to address this as you encounter it. The reason that I said it might be connected with the second coming is because here in Second Thessalonians, it says, now concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus and our being gathered together to meet him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by spirit or spoken word or letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has already come. So in some sense, the misunderstanding was, whoa, it's here, or at least it, we're on the brink of it. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Now, we'll talk about those in detail when we get there, but right now I'm just saying this may lie behind 
the fact that so many seem to be idle and not doing their own work because they think the second coming is so near that they don't need to put any thought into their daily lives anymore, and they're just mooching off of others. Now, what's the motive behind Paul's exhortation? What would he say if we asked Paul, why are you so worked up about this? What difference does a little bit of slacking or idleness mean from a Christian ethical standpoint? I think Paul would give two answers. The first would be, it's a matter of love. Because remember back here in chapter 4, he said, Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. And notice how he applies love now. To aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs, not be busybodies, and to work with your own hands as we instructed you. So it's love, and particularly love that behaves properly toward outsiders. So my first answer to the question, what's the motive for sending people back to work? And the answer is, it is a form of brotherly love to work for your own living and not set a bad example towards outsiders who look at Christians and say, good grief, they don't even act in ordinary ways of earning a living but mooch off of each other. That's an unloving way to treat outsiders and not take into account what their viewpoint would be and how they assess Christianity. And the second uh, motive, I think Paul would say, from this text we've already looked at, is that right here in verse 8, he says, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with toil and labor we worked night and day that we might not burden any of you. Now, there's a motive. Christians lift burdens. We don't add burdens to people. Now, I understand and that's going to be mentioned here in faint-hearted and weak, back here in our text. There are faint-hearted people and there are weak people, and we understand that some people, not owing to their unwillingness to work, but other factors, are a burden to others, and we should count that a privilege to bear their burdens. That's not the issue here. The issue here is, if you have the wherewithal, to work and to serve so as not to burden others, but rather to lift burden from others, that's what love does. So I think behind this command, admonish the idol, is love. Because if you don't get over this idleness, if you don't start earning your own keep, the outsiders are going to be misled which is unloving, and the insiders who are burdened are not going to be loved because you're supposed to be sharing and burden lifting, not burden creating. And one last comment before we shift next time to these um, two exhortations. This sounds, and it is, firm and hard. This would be tough love, right? If you want to distinguish 
tough love and tender love, I think this is going to be tough and these two are going to be tender. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. This is a tender form of response to faint-heartedness and a tender form of response to weakness. But this says, enough of that. Enough of that. It's damaging people and it's damaging our witness. You must be tough and firm at certain points. And it comes to the point where he even says in Second Thessalonians, don't even hang out with them if they're not going to follow this. So we turn to from tough to tender next time. Both are essential in the leadership of the church.